Hello and welcome to the Help With My Visa podcast, the show that tells you everything you need to know about travel, mobility and immigration. Because when it comes to these things, you can never have too much information. I'm your host, Gareth Richards, and today I'm joined by Tony Whiteman Reynolds, the MBA Recruitment Manager at the Business School, City University of London. Tony, it's a pleasure to welcome to your show. Hi, Gareth. Thanks so much for having me. Um, really have enjoyed some of the podcasts you've done previously, so it's great that I can come on, tell you a little bit about uh, our university and a little bit about the visa process. Oh, that's excellent, because I think that it, so this is the time of the year when if anybody's thinking about perhaps coming to the UK to to study um, from sort of September, October time, now is really the time that um, things are starting to, to ramp up, right? It's a really key period at the moment. So we've seen that this year particularly, it's been an incredibly busy year, but actually the period from January, February, March is really busy for our full-time MBA, but also mm. our executive programmes as well. So now is a real key time. And um, just to tie into visas again, actually it's about the time people are needing to start thinking about applying, getting their documents together to apply for their study visa. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's uh, there's a lot of things to do. And I think what, what we're going to cover today is sort of generally people coming from overseas to the UK to study, what sort of things do they need to do? But we can also use a lot of the examples from the from the MBA programme that uh, that you recruit for, just to sort of give people a flavour of the, the kind of milestones and, and activities that they're going to be doing over the next sort of six to nine months. So um, I'm, I think if we're sort of starting now, first quarter of the year um i mean maybe before we go into that it's probably useful to to get a little bit more sort of background of yourself and and maybe the business school so do you, do you want to sort of talk us through what it is that you do at uh, at the business school yeah i'd love to so i've been at the business school for um, around 10 years now i found myself in the higher education sector completely by accident because <laughs> for uh, many years I was working in the travel and tourism industry around the world and then I came back to the UK and I found a job at a reception and it was at the university and it was a really interesting first job to get into higher education from the ground perspective to see the different departments how they worked with the students and then I quickly found a position within the MBA team so I was the assistant for a couple of years before getting to be a fantastic opportunity to work in the full-time MBA course office so I was a course officer that meant that I interacted with our full-time MBA I was their main connection between the students and the universities and the academics and I got to um, advise students travel with students even socialize with students so it was a fantastic position to really understand what full-time MBAs wanted what they were doing and where their journey was taking them which mm. takes me to where I am now I'm the full-time MBA recruitment manager for uh, City University for the MBA department and I get to speak to people all around the world who are at all different stages from those who are just finding out about MBAs and thinking about what their journey is going to look like to those who know what they want, know what school they want, know what country they want to go to and talk to them about my experiences and how I've seen people develop on the full-time MBA. So that's where I am at the moment. 
Um, just to touch on as well, um, it's City University and we are, were CAS Business School. We're going through a name change at the moment. So we might still refer to ourselves as CAS, but generally we're calling ourselves the Business School while we look for this new name. Okay, excellent. That's, uh, that, that's, that's good to know. And we met um, a few years ago when I was, when I was on that full-time MBA programme and you were, you were a point of contact in the course office. Um, I, I do remember a lot of my, my sort of colleagues and my, my peers from overseas, whenever they had a problem, whenever they had an issue or a question, they knew exactly to come to Tony because um, he would have the answer to it. <laughs> I loved it. It's, it. I love problem solving. And it was so interesting to work with people from all over the world because do you know what we might do in our everyday life in the UK is so very different to somebody from uh, India. Uh, for example, one gentleman said one day, how do I post this letter back home? It's just completely different. So to get to work with people just broadened my horizon by, by miles. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, so we're going to talk um, about what the steps that you need to cover to come to the UK to, to study. And, you know, we will use the the MBA program as, um, as I guess, a template to, to sort of illustrate the kind of touch points and, and, and things that you will need to prepare over the next few months if you're in the position of thinking of coming to the UK or, or even if you started to prepare. So first, first quarter of the year, what, what's typically going on um, around about this time of the year if, um, if we're looking at sort of somebody coming to the UK to start studying in the autumn time? So um, there's a number of different MBA programs all around the UK. So I think, firstly, people can have to narrow down what university is right for them. Mm. Um, a lot of the full-time MBA programs are based in and around London, in and around the South. So obviously, you've also got Sydney Cambridge. And then going a little bit further up, you've got some of the big ones, Manchester, some great ones in Scotland. So narrowing down which university is right for you, firstly, is incredibly important. Mm. And firstly, is it location? That is important. Do you want to be in a major city? Do you want to be more in a greenfield site? Um, and that links a little bit into the networking, which is such a vitally important aspect of the MBA. If you're in a big city, your MBA and your university network is going to be so big. So narrowing down firstly, what, what is the right school for you? Mm. And then the nitty gritty, the admissions criteria. Um, once you've got this school, look at what they need of you generally and for us well we'll need a decent undergraduate score a score of 2-1 and we can and do look at people who perhaps haven't got um, an undergraduate if they've got some really brilliant work experience if they've got some really interesting um stories to tell some experiences to share in the class and i think um, that, was, we, that was what i found certainly during my cohort we did have people on that cohort without a bachelor's degree but as you say somebody who had a very interesting entrepreneurship experience and i think that that, that that's a really good, good good point that you sort of you, you make here some schools are going to be quite particular on having certain things whereas others might be a little bit more flexible if you can show and demonstrate sort of uh, excellence and, and success in other fields i think that's really really interesting because some schools are quite strict on their admissions criteria and you have to be to mm. promote a decent standard in the classroom but that one point about having the an undergraduate degree yeah it's important it shows an academic rigor that you'll be able to bring to the classroom but 
having something else outside, having this really great experience that being an entrepreneur, particularly, as you say, is going to bring that experience of doing perhaps everything from day one, all the different aspects of running a business is something that perhaps somebody who's got a great undergraduate has worked in uh, the same industry for a number of years might not have. So it's, it's true. And we do have some really amazing alumni from the past few years who don't have undergraduates. Um, some of the other key criteria which are really important to talk about, which people are working on about this time, is the GMAT, um, which is it's quite scary for some people. I don't know how you found it, Gareth. <laughs> yes, I think we'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, the GMAT is a um, core test, which is testing a number of your academic um, academic rigor as I mentioned earlier making sure you're up for the MBA so um, it's a test which at the moment is available in person in testing centers in certain countries and for many other people it's available online to do it is a test which is really showing us how you're going to perform on the MBA Hmm. Um, there's average scores for various different schools we asked for a minimum score of 600 on the GMAT but the average in last year's class which just finished was around 650 so we do have people coming with all range from 600 right through to 700 plus so it's a for some let's say it's a necessary evil the GMAT and the GMAT is it is quite specific to to MBA programs is that right very much so I think that um certain programs such as MSCs might not look for GMATs it might be an added bonus and it might really look great on a CV but for MBA programs GMAT is yes very much an essential um, criteria and actually post um, MBA if you're perhaps looking at consulting or um, in very different financial roles some of the larger companies might actually ask for a decent GMAT score either well before you've done the MBA or even post MBA yeah, yeah, and certainly my experience that um, in a lot of the big consultancies, and as you say, finance firms as well, um, they did tend to ask for for GMAT scores, which I found quite interesting. But um, I guess it's another way of 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 trying to select the the top candidates because the I mean the GMAT it was it was pretty tough, certainly for for somebody like me who'd been sort of out working in industry for for many many years, coming back to that sort of academic. Uh, academic rigor was uh was a big wake-up call <laughs> oh completely I, I i can imagine it is difficult for people people have been out of education for uh three five even ten years for some people coming on our mba so actually getting back into that mode of studying getting the score that they're happy with some people it might even be not the first attempt but the second attempt where they get that score they're happy with is is hard it's going to be really hard i think um gmac who's the company that runs gmat say it's normally around 100 hours personal study to get that first decent score that they're looking for so yeah that's a that's a major uh criteria for us on our mbm okay i think the last one um to talk about today for international students um it would be a language requirement so we accept either the um the ielts the toefl or the pte and for um, us, that is about twofold. It is making sure that um, 
it's a difficult program, which is taught entirely in, in English. So some people might have been working and speaking and using English every day in their um, role, wherever they might be based in the world. But having this um, qualification shows us actually, yes, you do have what it takes to be able to uh, keep up to, as we said, uh, the rigours of the MBA. But also, on the other hand, um, it is a requirement for the Tier 4 study visa as well. So that language requirement probably ticks two boxes. Yeah, yeah. And for for some um, further education courses, the, if you don't quite meet that language requirement, there's sometimes the possibility of doing a sort of pre-sessional English school during the summer to, to top that up. Is that something that's offered on the MBA programme? On certain MBAs, yeah, it is, um, and on certain MSE programs as well. Mm-hmm. It's not something that we offer as a school, but there's some really great, um, really great companies out there, Kaplan, for example, who will work with people to just top them up on that language requirement, let's say. As we said, they might be working for years, but there might be some of the more academic language, more theoretical pieces that they just need to brush up on. So there's definitely courses out there which will help people actually get to that MBA level of language. Okay, great. So that that's sort of a recap of what, what it is that you're going to need to, to sort of apply for um, apply for a course in the UK. So at this point in time, what 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 should we be doing if um, you know if I am overseas and I'm thinking about sort of coming to the UK to study from September, October this year, should I should I be making applications now or what what sort of stage should I be at? Yeah, now's a real key time, as I mentioned earlier. So perhaps now you've narrowed down the country, you've narrowed down a number of schools which you're interested in. Um, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. You should have a couple of schools in mind. Um, Never put all your eggs in one basket. So you might have a particular city that you're interested in or a region. Apply to a couple of schools, make sure they fit what you want. Speak to alumni who've gone through the MBA programme to find out how their experience was, um, what their trajectory was, and if they got out of it what they wanted to. And then start applying. Um, Applications can be quite long, actually. There's certainly going to be a number of essay questions asking about why you want to do an MBA, um, what your current business knowledge is on the area that you are in, and plans post-MBA. These can be yeah, quite long. They can be quite wordy. So for some people, that is probably the hardest part of the application. Those essay questions, finding out what their what their perspective is on the MBA in general. Yeah. Um, the other key point is the. Um, sorry, gone. No, I was going to say with those essay questions, I think there was one question about why do you particularly want to study at this school, and I think that that's. That's a question where you've, as you say, you've put in all of this work um, answering the other questions. That's a question that I think some people might be tempted to sort of copy paste and then just change the school name. But that that's something I, I personally, having seen the different types of schools, they do vary significantly. My view would be you, you, you rewrite that from scratch every single time. Would, would you agree? Without a doubt, you're yeah. completely right. And I will say... We have seen people who have copied and pasted because they don't always remember to take all the different school names <laughs> out. So it might say our school and then it might mention another school below. So it, it just 
doesn't do you any justice on the research which you will have done to not rewrite that essay. There will be similar bits, without a doubt. But the unique selling points for each of the different schools and why you've been attracted to that school, make sure that you do spend time on that essay, without a doubt. Yeah, no, that's good. Sorry, you were gonna you were gonna continue. Well, well, the other interesting point um, to think about at this time and to start having conversations while you're doing the application is your references. So these are really important. Um, we ask for most schools will ask for two, if not three, references. Um, one being your most current line manager, um, and the next one, somebody who's known you in a managerial context. What's probably really important is they do need to be someone of a more senior position to yourself, looking at how you were in work, how, how you performed, rather than somebody on the same level. Um, sometimes a customer or someone you might have consulted for would be fantastic as well. But those references are really key because they are looked in quite um, detail, actually, when the application process is is being worked through by our admissions panel. So yeah, that that is some of the things that people should be having conversations with their their managers now about why and what's going to happen over the next few months as they start to prepare. Okay, and you you mentioned that there's there's a number of different MBA programs at the business school. Are the the entry requirements different between those different courses? Very much so. So we've uh, I, I've spoken today a lot about the full-time MBA, which is the one that we sponsor the Tier 4 study visa for. We've got some great MBAs, which are for people who are based a little bit closer to the school. We've got the Evening Executive MBA, which is um, a September starting one, where you'll have classes every week, normally on a Tuesday and a Thursday evening across a two-year period. And then we've got the weekend executive MBA, which we call the modular MBA. That is one long weekend every single month. So that is a Friday morning right the way through to Monday evening, a short, sharp burst of MBA across that 24-month period. And then, really excitingly, we have opened a new MBA. It's um, coming up to a year now, actually. We're just welcoming our third intake very shortly on our global MBA which is the online program what makes it a little bit different to many of the online programs is it has some in-person elements as well so 95% of the MBA is online traditionally lectures group coursework's online but at certain points such as induction um, some uh, core project work we invite everybody in person to join us on the uh, campus to get to know everybody so yeah, we've got four MBAs at the business school in the London campus, as well as one in our Dubai campus in the UAE. And we've got some fantastic opportunities. But um, admissions criteria, well, for our executive programs, we look for a little bit more work experience. The average work experience is around 10 to 15 years on those. And we don't look for the GMAT because on the executive programs, we really look a lot more at someone's professional work experience and what they've been doing. And again, we do ask for an uh, undergraduate degree, but it isn't as closely looked at as the uh, full-time MBA. It really does concentrate more on what they've been doing, their professional work experience, and very much on the interview, on the executive program. Okay. The interview's really important. And that, that, that interview is probably one of, is that one of the last steps in the, in the admissions process once you've been through your application answers your essay questions um, references have been checked is 
is is the interview then the last sort of step before an offer or how, how, how does it fit in it is it's probably the most key step actually um so on both our programs you've um put your application in our admissions team have made sure that we've got all your references we've got all your gmat scores your language requirements and then you're invited to interview now we love to do these interview in person but it's not always possible um especially at the moment but with obviously candidates coming from all around the world so a lot of our interviews are done via zoom and via skype with our academics who might either teach on the program be a, a project manager as part of the final dissertation or they might um well, there might be some of our associate deans or course directors as well. Yeah. And they're around half an hour, 45 minutes diving down into the essay questions, diving down into the references and making sure that the candidates are a good fit for the school because that's so important. We have a lot of applications. We meet a lot of people. But what's important for the business school is that we have really interesting candidates who have a lot to give, a lot of a lot of examples, a lot of really interesting stories to tell in the classroom to make the academic um, theory come to life. And who are really collaborative as well. This is quite important. I've heard it described a few times in various different ways by some of our academics. Some MBA programs and schools are, are like, well, they're like shark ponds, but they describe us, the business school, as more of a Dolphin Pond, a really collaborative, colloquial, really nice environment where everyone's happy and friendly together. Now, it might be a bit cheesy, but actually, it's a really great great way of, of describing the fun, collaborative environment, which I think you, you might agree from your experience. Certainly. I mean, I, was, I remember being very extremely nervous for for interview, and I think it was one of the... <clears throat> One of the program directors uh, for the EMBA who, who who interviewed me, and I didn't, really didn't know what to expect. I was, ex- you know, you'd heard all of these stories about them throwing you sort of curveball questions like, "How many ping pong balls can you fit in a seven four seven? And I just thought, "Oh God, not more maths." I've just done the GMAT, but I mean, it was it was as close. Let let me just say it's probably as far away from an interview as um, I could have possibly imagined. And it was more like um, a chat with somebody who was just super interested to to get to know more about me. I felt so, so comfortable coming out of coming out of that interview um, because it didn't really feel like one. It just felt felt like a chat with somebody who sort of genuinely, genuinely cared. So I can. I sort of agree with the the dolphin pond uh, analogy. It certainly wasn't trying to sort of trip you up or um, or catch you out on anything. It was really trying to get to know you. That's, that's, it's great. And that's probably one of the reasons why I've been at the business school for as long as I have, because the environment between the students, the academics, the professional staff, it, it's a great place to be. And it's a great place I enjoy being. Great. So um, we've had our interview. Um, hopefully everything's gone swimmingly. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> um, and um, what, what, what is the next stage? Is the next stage me as a, as a, as a sort of a, an overseas student? Am I applying for my visa now or is there something I need to do beforehand? So if you are an overseas student at this point, you've been offered your place on the programme. You've accepted it and paid your deposit to confirm your place. And you've got a unconditional offer. So that's really important. 
And then at this point, um, our admissions team and our visa advice team will reach out to you with your, um, well, what they'll reach out is with a small online quiz. This is taking you through what you need to do to secure your tier four study visa. Now, as long as you follow the steps, it's relatively easy. As long as you have everything in place for the visa, it's relatively easy. But there's certain bits which trip people up every year, which is why the team created this mini quiz for people to work through to find out exactly what they need to do. And once they've completed this mini quiz, making sure that they've got everything, they'll have the CAS statement issued to the overseas student. So this is the um, condition of acceptance of studies. So this means that they've got an unconditional offer of a place, they've paid their deposit, they've got an offer on the table to join us. They'll have that CAS statement and then they can apply to UKVI to go for their visa. So the UKVI office or maybe the um, British Embassy in that area will then take them through these next stages on what they need to do. Um, really interestingly, um, actually, this is normally three months before the student programme starts. But I think in the past few weeks, it's been extended. So people can apply six months before the programme starts for this uh, CAS, for the um, student visa, which is fantastic. Do you know what? It's giving people a lot more time to prepare, find somewhere to live, can get their lives in order. Three months sounds a long time to apply to get it sorted but that comes around really really quickly so having six months now to work through it it's it's going to make a lot of difference for a lot of people absolutely and from from your sort of experience how at what point do people tend to come to the uk from overseas is it sort of a month out a couple of weeks out when do they normally start to arrive well, that it depends on the person, actually. So um, if they're incredibly organised, they might have already got their accommodation in place. So they'll come four weeks beforehand. They will move in. They'll start exploring the area. They might come and visit us because we might never even have met them. We might have spoken to them a lot, but they'll come in and visit us and maybe we'll help them set up their student bank account or their council tax exemption. Or some people maybe they might have been working till right at the last minute. So they might not be able to come till maybe even a few days before the programme starts. And the first time we'll meet them is day one of induction where they're coming in to register. So it, it depends on the person, their personal circumstances, but well, they come over as soon as they can, I think is the, the best answer. <laughs> yeah, and I guess it's sort of a double-edged sword if you're coming somewhere like a business school, but right in the heart of the city of London and absolutely fantastic base to to sort of explore the rest of the city and indeed sort of other parts of, of of the uk but at the same time it's probably fair to say it's not one of the more the cheapest places to to live in the country i, I think you're really spot on mm -hmm. it is an amazing place uh, i mean our location is is really fantastic on one side the bank of england and the professional service firms on the other side is the uh, Silicon Roundabout, as I call it, and the tech side of the city. But that puts us in probably one of the most expensive parts of the UK. So, well, living-wise, what I find people, some might want to live in student halls of residence within walking distance of campus, where everything is included, the bills, the rent. Um, but it is more expensive. But it's commuting. The other people might want to live a little bit further out, which might give them more room, uh, a little bit more freedom, but then they'll be paying for that 
transport in and out. So there's a lot to think about uh, when you're coming over. Accommodation is a really, really important one. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, again, the good thing about London, it's very easy to get around. Um, I mean, I live, what, I live probably 13 13 miles, about 20 kilometres from uh, from the city of London. But it could take me less than an hour to get in on a morning, which was um, really convenient. So I had, you know, I didn't have to live right next door to, to campus. I could still participate in um, everything that was that was going on with the university. And it was only sort of an hour or so back um, back home again at the end of the day. So, you know, London's a big place, but it is actually quite, quite easy to get from uh from one side of the city to another quite uh, quite quickly it is and, and something really important as well is full-time students get a student discount on transport in and around london and around the country i forgot about that <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a really good point and i think there's, there's there's a lot of other things like this student discounts that are available to people who are studying full-time um again from what i recall that's something which the um, the business school helps helps people out with when they when they first begin helps them navigate and you know, particularly the the TFL discount because I think that was that was quite a big discount um, but that's something that you help introduce people to so that they they don't end up spending more money than they actually need to when they're in the UK. Oh, completely. I mean, um, the MBA is expensive. We mm. we know that. So any discount that you can get is definitely worth exploring and applying for. So as a uh, full-time student, you have a number of different student discounts. The Students' Union is there to help you and find different areas as well. But yeah, what I would say is make the most of these discounts, everything from discounted pizza to discounted travel to discounted books and online resources, even Spotify. So there's so many different um aspects to being a student that the discounts during that time you're with us are invaluable for many yeah absolutely i think um you will definitely take advantage of discounts on, on all of those services <laughs> that you mentioned okay this this is excellent tony this is um so i think we've we've got a good idea now on sort of what we should be doing now if we're thinking about coming to the uk to study later this year um, are, th- are there any sort of events going on at the moment where people can can maybe find out more information or get to talk to somebody from the business school? Yeah, definitely. So we try and do at least one, if not two events every month so people can get to know us uh, about who we are, about the programmes we offer. And every other month as well, we do a guest lecture. Where one of our academics who is involved in the course might do half an hour, 45 minutes. So you get an example of a of what an MBA-style lecture looks like. And then we're also doing, every other month for that, some kind of alumni panel. So you can find out a little bit about well, people's real life experience. So yeah, we've got lots of online events, but we've got a great team who are there to help with CV reviews to find out actually, are you eligible? Might there be a few more years before you're ready to do an MBA? And then we've got myself and the rest of the recruitment team who are there to have chats, just to find out more about you, to give you our perspective, to tell you what even happens on an everyday basis on a full-time MBA or an executive program, if that might be right for you. So we've got some great resources available to people to reach out and find out more excellent excellent so what, what's the best way for anybody to reach out or find out more about the, the business school sort of mba program or even other programs is, is it a website email address 
Yeah, so the first resource would probably be the website. So if you um, Google uh, CAS, um, uh, MBA program, MSc program, that'll bring up the website. Um, you can email me directly. I'm genuinely happy to help, to advise. And my email address is tony.whiteman-reynolds at city.ac.uk which is quite long. So alternatively, we've got the team's email address, which is cass, C-A-S-S hyphen M-B-A at city.ac.uk. So if you wanted to email one of us, we can talk to you about the MBA or even point you in the direction of the other programs that the school offers. Okay, excellent. We'll put those um, those details in the show notes if that's uh, that's okay, just so it's easier for people to, uh, to get hold of them. Brilliant. Well, Tony, I think this has been really, really um, insightful and uh, very comprehensive as well. But I think, you know, if if somebody's still maybe sitting on the fence and they're not 100% sure if this is right for them, given how many students you've seen go through uh, the business school over the years, what what would you say is the biggest piece of advice you could give to anybody who's who's maybe thinking about coming to you know, coming to the business school or coming to another business school or, or university in the UK, what's the biggest piece of advice you would give to them at this point? So making that decision to perhaps leave your country, to strive out on your own, to further yourself in education is, you're right, it's a massive decision. And it's a massive monetary decision as well. So without a doubt, you've got to make sure that it is the right thing for you. So what I'd say is speak to the people at the business school, but very importantly, speak to alumni who've done this program you're interested in. No matter what point you're at, you might be at very early stages, you might be, you might have an offer and you're thinking of deciding. Speak to people to get their personal opinions to make sure it is the right thing for you to do, just to push you over that edge to make that final decision. Excellent. No, I think that's uh, that's a very good advice. That's actually something I done myself when I was thinking about taking the leap and it, I was about 95% sure that it was the right decision. But after speaking to a couple of people and, and sort of getting the feedback from them, there was no doubt in my mind. And I just felt super confident going ahead. So um, I think that's brilliant advice. Speak to people and uh, see, what their, see what their experiences have been. Brilliant. Well, Tony, thanks again for joining us. I think it's been a really um, enlightening session. And as I say, we will post the, the contact details in the in the show notes if anybody wants to get in touch. So thanks very much again for joining us and uh, good luck with the recruitment for the rest of the, the MBA programmes. Thank you very much for having us and good luck with the podcast. Thanks for joining us today. You can keep in touch with us at our website at www.helpwithmyvisa.com. And if you're on YouTube, you can like and subscribe to our channel so that you're notified of when the next podcast goes live. We also have the podcast in audio format on our channels on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. So until the next time, safe travels.